We're going to jump into a series today that if you've been here for a while, you've heard many times before. We do something similar to this every, every year about now, about the time we start August. Um, and it's really a series about who we are, um, and the whys and the whats, and the how we do things, um, because I think it's important for you to know. If you've been here for a while, you will recognize, at least I hope you do, that just about everything we do is intentional. And I really mean that. We're not so crazy like we didn't, you know, the carpet squares aren't just to make you feel more at home. That's beyond my design. That's just, they're cool and we, we put down carpet squares. But everything else, from the music we do, to the graphics for the videos, to the classes we have, to... Um, nursery and kids' church and the way the rooms are laid out and the way we function, those are things that we're very intentional about, and we very much um, do those for specific reasons. So I want you to, to know why we do wh what we do, that we want you to experience everything God's promised you, and it doesn't just start with salvation. Salvation is, it doesn't just end with salvation. Salvation is the beginning we, of course, God's highest priority is your eternity. But my job is to keep us all going in the same direction, to keep us all moving together. Um, and I was wanted, that's the reason we do this every year, because I wanted you to, to understand the foundation of what we, what we do here. What I want us to grab is, is this word why, that the reason people lose their way is because they don't know their why. People get lost when GPS starts telling them, uh, turn on a road that's not here. You, you, your way gets confused because now GPS is trying to take you somewhere you don't want to go. And you've lost the why. Well, no, I don't, don't want to go that way. I want to go that way. And a lot of us will tell, people will tell me all the time, and I'll use this analogy, I want to go to South Carolina. And they go, so I'm going to go that way. Well, no, if you leave here and go south on 301, are you going to go to Carolina? No. But you can say you're going to Carolina all day long, but you're not going there. The way to go to Carolina is to go north, go that way. That'll take you to South Carolina. And when you know your, your why, Carolina, you know which way to go. You can stay on your way. See, what I want you to understand is when you understand our why, then it also teaches you something else. It teaches you and t explains to you the what and the how. Why we do Kids Church this way. Why we have grow groups. Why we do One Step Connect. Why we worship the way we do. Why do you have lights on versus the light off? Why do you have the background? Why do you have the sound? You know, that it gives you some insight into to what we do. And you really learn all this when you do the One Step Connect with us. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29 that where there's no vision... This version says revelation. One version says vision. People cast off restraints. In other words, they don't know where they're going. They just wander around aimlessly. Like a lot of people, honestly, in life, they don't really know where they're going, so they just kind of float wherever the breeze takes them. Look how this verse reads in the message version. It says, if people can't see what God's doing, they stumble around. But when they attend to what he reveals, in other words, God will tell you where to go. God will give you instruction. We're having dinner with some people the other night, and we were talking about, I think a lot of us don't realize that God actually does talk to you. And a lot of times we think, 
well, that's just me, that's my conscience. No, if the Bible says if you have Jesus in you and received him as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says there's his Holy Spirit kind of talks to yours. And he says, I need to give you direction, Clint. I need you to go this way. That's the voice of God in my life. And he says, I'm going to show you some things. And if you pay attention to those, they are this. And say these last two words with me. They are, oh, come on, try again. They are, now, if I had to ask you, would you rather be blessed or most blessed? Would you rather win a $30 scratch off or the now $1.5 billion in the mega lottery? Yeah. And by the way, we, have, we will name a wing of the church after you if you win the 1.5. You can have the seats. You can have a carpet squares. I'll name my office after you as long as you remember to tithe when you win $1.5 billion. You see, the Bible tells us he wants us blessed and that God's promises, this is our why. This is why believers does what we do. God's promises is our why. Because my job as a shepherd is for you to point you in the right direction so that you can experience everything God has for you. That we, we were motivated by that. That all his promises is our why. These promises of God direct our what and our how. If I want you to have this from God, then I have to, we have to have a systems in, in God's word that takes us there. And you see these all through the Bible. And God's promises take us through this. And this is really a simplified version of what you see on the screens, what you saw on the intro, the know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We would say, you could also say it this way. God wants to have lost people saved. His highest priority was when he sent Jesus was to say, well, if I got Bill here, I need to figure out how to get Bill with me for eternity, and then I can give him all the rest of the blessings. So that is God's highest priority. Then he wants to get saved people pastored. So now this is where we would say you find freedom. I've got you saved because you don't have to change, right? Remember, you don't, you don't clean a fish before you catch it, right? So you come, you get saved, you got saved people pastored. And then it goes, God says, okay, now I've got you cared for, I've got you finding freedom, I've got your, I'm helping you get over your past. Then God says, now that you're over your past, I need to get trained people mobilized because I've pastored people and I've trained them and now I'm going to train them and I'm going to get them mobilized. This is where we would say to make a difference, that you are using what God gives you. Um, you could also say, if you look in the book of Matthew, it's through the Gospels of the Great Commission. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, go into all the earth, go into all the nations, go, go everywhere and begin to share, hey, this is the promises of God. Second Peter, he writes it this way. He says, he's given us this great and precious promises. And these are promises that give you ability to do something. Participate in his divine nature, which that sounds big and spiritual. That's essentially spend eternity with him and not separated from him. And it gives you in the same, same measure to escape the corruption of the world. In other words, the nasty, the mess that we deal with, it gives us the ability God says, I'm going to take that off of you. And then he says in the next verse, okay, in view of this, it's going to take a little effort. I think a lot of times as pastors, we want to tell you, listen, if you'll just get saved, you'll hear this little angel heart, bling, 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 
and then the world will just be all rainbows, Skittles, and happy, happy place, right? And M&Ms and Snickers and Krispy Kremes, and you won't gain weight, and your car's going to work every time you get in it. You know, your water heater's not going to go out. It's just all that. No, that's just not reality. We still live in a real world. But God said, hey, it's going to take a little effort to respond to God's promises, that it promises us two things, to participate with him, eternal with him. Because did you know this? If you don't know this about yourself, I'm going to teach you. You, no matter if you, let me ask you this question. Don't raise your hand, but mentally acknowledge this. How many of you would rather be in a cabin in the woods by yourself for a month or in a cabin in the woods with 15 or 20 people? One or the other. You like people or you don't. Even you people that would raise your hand and say, I'd like to be by myself in the woods because I just don't like people. God didn't design you to be alone. He didn't design us to do life alone. And what his promise is, is, hey, you're not going to have to do life alone. And this, these are the things that getting out of the mess and the sin of life gets, gets us going to the promises so that we can live, so that we can know this, that I need to know, understand, and pursue his promises. And a lot of, um, I've worked with the law enforcement and the fire guys for years now. And when you go and take like a public safety training class, they always tell you, you got like a class objective. Like this is your takeaway. This is what you need to be able to do. My prayer is over the next few Sundays, you'll be able to do this. Know, understand, and then where do I find them? How do I go after? What are these promises? Because the Bible tells us, and if you read it through, and I can, if you want the numbers, shoot me a message and I'll send them to you. There are thousands of promises in the Bible. All through the Bible, things he's promised for you. If you come to me, I'll do this. If you do this, this is my response. This is what I've given you. And the Bible tells us that those are, that those are promises to us. Well, the Bible says that also, this in Numbers chapter 23, it says that God's not a man and he can't lie. He doesn't lie. He's not a human, so he doesn't change his mind. He's never, never spoken and failed to act. And then it, he asked this question, has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now this, I want you to raise your hand. Has anybody ever lied to you? Oh, the rest of you are lying right now. Right? The politician, this is what I'm going to do. They do something else. You know, even your husbands, your wives, your significant others, your family. This is what I promised. Your kids, I promised, Mama, I didn't, knowing full well they did. Right? So people let us down, but the Bible says, God, he says, I, I'm, anything I tell you I'm going to do, I'm going to do. This is our reason for knowing the why. Because if you don't know what it is, and you don't know it's there, you can't use it. I didn't do this, so don't start digging under your chairs. But I had the thought of, I'm going to go buy one of those Mega Millions tickets and stick it under a seat and then say, under somebody's seat is one ticket to the 1.5 billion. Now, if that ticket is under your seat right now, but you don't know it and you get up and leave, does that ticket do you any good? Well, let me ask you this. Tomorrow or whenever the drawing is, that ticket wins. 
does that ticket still have value? You better believe it. And you better believe we'd all be in here tearing this building down piece by piece to find a $1.5 billion mega lottery ticket. See, what I need you to do is understand, not only understand that there's promises, but I need you to go looking for them. I need you to open your heart and say, okay, God, if this is for me, then this, this is what I want. Because God's promises are no good to me. And people will say that. People will say to me, God's promises are no good to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how many, how many things I've done in my life. And I cheated on my spouse and I broke this and I robbed this and I lied to this. And I've done all this bad stuff. And if you hear anything else today, I need you to hear this. That you cannot sin enough to disqualify yourself from God's promises. Now, you can choose to not respond to them. But the Bible says that Jesus came and paid for our sins, so he's paid a bill. Now, whether you want to acknowledge that bill is paid is based on you. You've heard me say this before for you visitors. I, I say this a lot. God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is a place where people go who want to pay their own bill. The bill's been paid. And if you want to choose to try to do it yourself, we just tell you ahead of time, you're not going to be able to do it. But you have the free will to do it. The other side of the coin is people tell me this. They say, I'm good. And I put it on the screen. I, I call it the I'm good trap. Because they'll tell me, oh, I'm good. I'm blessed. I have a great life. My, my family's good. My kids are good. My lawnmower works. The refrigerator works. Everything, you know. And that's great. And I, I pray you're that way. But how many of you know that's not it? If I serve a God that, can that I can only see within the context of what I can think, then we're in trouble. But if I serve a God that tells me, no matter how good you think it is, there's always one step. This is why we say this, that even the heart of our vision, everything we do, that our vision is to help people take one step from where they are, one step closer to where God wants them to be. For some of you, this is meeting God for the first time. For some of you who've been in church maybe all your life, this is you getting out of the trap that says, I'm good, I'm good, I got it, I'm good. Well, you may be good, but there's always more. And I don't mean more, and I don't take this as, oh, he's, he's starting prosperity teaching. I am not. I am not a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, get all you can, sit on the can, give God so he gives you back, back, back. Now, does God give you back and return to you? Yes, but why does he give you more? So you can do more. God doesn't just throw stuff at you and go, oh, look, look how good I am. No, he says, like, here, Keith, I'm giving you this. Why? Because I need you to do some more with it. So there's always one more step. Look what the Bible says, and this is out of the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, if you think back to the Old Testament, there's a story about the Passover. So all the Israelites were in Egypt, and the Bible tells us that God sent through the death angel, and all the, the Israelites were told to put the blood of the lamb over the door. And this is what the Jewish people call Passover, and this is what they celebrate every year. And celebrating this, they're celebrating the fact that God spared them. Well, in this passage, God says to them four times, and this is where we get our know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. This is also where I think we can say all thousands of promises fall under these four categories. And this is what we do day after day, month after month, year after year, until Jesus comes. 
we're going to keep doing this because this is, this is God's way, why, and we're going to follow it in the right way. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, and there's these verses, we call them the I wills, that I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. In other words, they were in captivity, and here's the first thing God's got to do. He's got to get you out. He's got to get you, um, and if, I hope, please, my brain's saying this one way, but my, my wife in my head is saying, don't say this. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> You've heard me before say, God finds us and we're standing in, in the cow patty. And God doesn't say, clean up, get everything right before I can be near you. He says, um, just receive this. Don't change a thing. Bring you, your cow patty, all your mess with you. The life. That's where the Egyptians were. He's got to get you out of Egypt. Then the next thing he says, I will free you from being slave. Wait a minute, you just got me out. Now you're going to free me again. Well, what he's going to do, the Bible says, I've got you out of the field in the cow paddy. I've moved you over here. You still stink. And now I'm going to start the process of showing you how much I love you by helping you get clean, helping you leave your past in the past, helping you get over and move past the hurts. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes I know people, quite frankly, who have church hurt. And every church they go to, they just find something else that hurts them. Is each church hurting them? I don't know, but I guarantee you a lot of it is they've just never got over that and they've never found freedom for that. He goes on to say, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. Redeem is just a fancy word for put you back into the original condition like God created you. I say this every year just because I still want one that hasn't showed up yet. I've always wanted a 65 Mustang. Rag top, bright red, annoying, annoying exhaust, the whole nine yards. So I can either go buy one that somebody's put back together, that somebody like Andy over there is a great bodywork guy, puts, and nobody would know that it's not right off the factory floor. But it's still not the same as if somebody had one sitting in a barn that never left the factory. And this word means God puts you back to your, your in, intended God-given purpose, that the devil does everything he can do to take it away from you. And those four things, the next one, the fourth one, is he says, I'm going to take you as my own people. So notice there were three that were singular, and the fourth one is, I'm going to now put you into a group. Why? Because you can do more as a group than you ever could as one singular person. We did it yesterday. We partnered with Queensboro Bank. They had Golden Harvest come in and loaded a truckload of food. We had some of our people, some of Queensboro's people. We had the fire departments. We had all these people, but could one group have done it on their own? No. Why? Because this is a bunch of food and 100 plus cars and baskets of food. And we serve the community. We could do it together. But these four things that you need to know today are still in God's heart for you. It hasn't changed. Just because you're here now thousands of years later after Jesus came doesn't mean that somehow it's not just as Value, valuable for us. That even back to the Old Testament, this is still truth. And these four things is what God wants for you. It's why it's in the foyer. On the wall, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It's on the back of the sign if you walk out. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. I have it in the office. So if you go in our office down the wall, it says it again. And then right above the office is the sign that says, 
thank you, God, for choosing me. It's my honor to be on your team. Not that I get to just, I am the team, but that I get to come out of those doors on a Sunday morning, hang out with the worship team, worship God, hang out with you, be a part of a team. We've got people serving in the nursery, people serving in the kids' church. We've got ushers and greeters and tech teams and live stream people making this so you people at home can see me. But he's telling them, hey, you can do this as a group. And that's why we put it everywhere. And if you're new to this series, this idea, in the coming weeks, we're going to dive into each one of these. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. I'm going to give you the depth of it. But just, in, just over in the next, say, five or ten minutes, let me give you kind of the overview of this, okay? The first one that we're talking about, the know God. This is where we get it from when in Exodus he says, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. Because we face, all face, one major hurdle. And that is there's not one thing you can do to receive salvation on your own. I don't care who you are. I don't care how perfect you are. <laughs> I don't know what is going through my brain. I can hear my wife saying, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> I had a friend that always told me that, you ever know somebody that thinks they're so special that they're, past gas doesn't stink, right? Anybody know those people? Like, brother, you ain't that special. You know, lady, it's just the same. It all stinks. And that's our problem, is that there's nothing that I can do. And I, I, it breaks my heart to hear people, well, you know, I, I've come to church every Sunday. Well, great. Have you received Jesus? I, I'm, I'm here every Sunday. It makes me good. No. It makes you faithful, but faithful doesn't make you good. Only perfect can make you good. And the Bible says, hey, that's why this is promise of salvation. If you want to be saved, then you have to have the perfect make the unperfect acceptable. And that's our first, we tell people that no God has to happen first. You don't change to come to church. You come to church to let God change you. And I've said this before. For you guys visiting, I, I, I honestly, I truly believe this. There's not a whole lot that gets me just fighting mad. But if you want to get me fighting mad, let me find out that somebody in our body or a part of this organization tells somebody out there that you have to do something before you come. Short of putting on clothes, please come at least clothed and covered. They can be ugly clothes, but just come clothed. Short of that, we don't tell people out there, you got to change. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't act that. You can't smell that way. You can't look that way because God didn't ask you to change anything while you were standing in your cow pie, right? You stunk too. You may have think that your doesn't stink, but it stinks. And so we tell people, listen, don't try to change. Come to church. Come accept the God who died, died, looked through history or the future at you and said, I'm going to die for that guy. And I know he's not perfect. Matter of fact, he, at one point in his life, he's going to flip me off and tell God to leave me alone. I'm going to die for him anyway. The Bible tells us in Titus, because of his grace, things you don't deserve, he declared righteousness and gave us confidence that I can have eternity and I can have the promises. The first promise is, is salvation. 
The next thing, God's first desire is to get you saved. But before he does anything else, uh, he's got to be known to you. Now, let me say that. Let me, let me put a pin in that. When I say salvation, I am not talking about joining a church. If you're visiting this morning, we would love to have you. You want God places you here, I'd love to have you. But salvation is not a religious idea. It's a God idea. I don't, I told somebody at airplane one time, I don't like religion. That's why I love this church, because we don't have to be religious. We can be about relationships with God and with people. So God has to do something in you to, when you receive that. And that's what happens when, when Jesus comes. His highest priority is to be known. Knowing God settles your eternity. It takes care of that. The next thing that happens is, the, is finding freedom. Finding freedom is when, when God says, I'm going to free you. I'm going to get you out of it, then I'm going to free you. Because if you read about the Israelites, they get out of Egypt, and then they still acted like they were still in slavery. As a matter of fact, at one point, if you read through the Old Testament, they tell God, hey, we want to go back there because at least we, had a, we knew we were, they were going to feed us. It might not have been much, and we had to work hard, but they're going to feed us because they, want, they just couldn't. They still acted like they were slaves. So he says, I'll free you, and this is where God promises us freedom. That's why we say, find freedom. This is, again, God getting the stink off of you. Salvation, my spirit's made perfect, but the natural you still needs work. How many of you have children? How many of you have children under the age of three? Okay, how many of you have children over the age of 20? Okay. Does your three-year-old act anything like your 20-year-old? They shouldn't. Now, sadly, today they do. Or a newborn. A newborn. You're in the hospital. Doctor says, here, here's your new baby. You don't look at that newborn and say, when we go home, you need to mow the yard. You need to do this. You need to do this. And by the way, I'm not changing diapers. You're going to have to change your own diapers because I just don't do that. Right? But is that baby any less alive? It's got to be trained. It's got to be taught. It's got to grow. Well, Christians, we're the same way. That's why it doesn't bother me at all. And yes, I'm on, I'm on Facebook and social media and all that stuff because you guys tell on yourselves <laughs> all the time. So I don't get terribly upset when I see people here one more, this morning and then tonight you're typing out a dirty message on Facebook because you're telling so-and-so what you think. Is it wrong? Yes. Will we talk about it? Maybe so. But you're not perfect either. And this is why we all have one step. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let me go back. Go back to that. Let me get that. I was going to skip it. Finding freedom is for anybody who's still struggling with sin. That's what it's for. The word that you'll hear people say is deliverance. When we think deliverance, we hear um, like demon-possessed, head spin around, spit up green pea soup. And that's not, deliverance is just a fancy word for people who, I still mess up and I need some help. So don't, don't overdo that word, but it's finding freedom is for us still to get better. And the Bible tells us in Romans that there's no condemnation for these people who have been covered by the perfect one, but are still trying to figure it out. It goes on in the next verse, it says, because through Jesus, the law of the Spirit, then in other words, 
the thing that says you should die because you've sinned, Jesus says, oh, no, no, that I bring you, I've made you free of that law of sin and death. And now we've got some work to do. Finding freedom is God's offering plan to deal with what we could never do on our own. Salvation, knowing God is about your eternity, but finding freedom is about the quality of life here on earth. Because how many of you would say, if you got rid of some of the baggage, your quality of life on earth could significantly rise? There's a lot of us that we just tote the bags instead of letting God help us. Salvation is instant and know God, but this is where I want to encourage you today too. Don't give up because finding freedom is a process. Some people fly through it quick and there's some of us, we just keep taking steps. There's parts of our lives that God just keeps working on us. We repent, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I messed up, I said this, I thought that, and we just keep going. That's grace and mercy. Okay, now he's got lost people saved, saved people pastor, and now we got pastor people trained. This is what we would call discover purpose. He says, I'm gonna redeem you. I created you to hang out with me. You walked away from me. I'm gonna put you back in the place where, I, where you can have all my blessings and you get to hang out with me. God promises me restoration. And this is where life gets exciting. This is where life picks up steam. But here's the sad part. Depending on which church study people you talk to, as much as half of Christians really never get into, okay, God, we can have a full relationship. They spend all their time going around the mountain trying to find freedom on themselves. To which you've heard me, I tell people all the time, listen, if you want to go try it yourself, go ahead. And we'll be here waiting on you to receive you back in and love you when you come back because you're going to go around the mountain and realize, left to my own devices, I can't do this, but I need somebody to help me. And that's just what we are. We're just a hospital where sick people come at different stages just to have God say, okay, God, help me. Some people just are further along in the process than, than you may be. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, because we're united with Christ, we received the inheritance, for he chose us in advance. In other words, he chose you while you're still standing in your cow pie. You still stink. You still have told him to leave me alone. And as somebody who, in my own life, has stood out in that parking lot on the second spot against the grass, and said to God, because I was just, I'd had enough. I just, I was ready to go do something else. Like, God, I'm, I'm trying, but your creation can be a little aggravating. These people are, you know, Ugh. but I had to understand that he's going to make it work out. He's, I'm going to go through stuff. but I'm gonna experience everything he has for me. I'm gonna learn it. This is why we have, and they'll throw it up on the screen, our one-step connect. So you can come to this class. If you wanna come, check it out, and it's not, this is not where God wants you, then fine, we'll help you find another church. There's lots of other pastors that we're connected. We can find you a home church. But if this is where God wants you, then what this does is let us give you a jersey, get you on the team, tell you how we play ball, and then find you a position because you can do more with the team than you can on your own. Well, how do you find out the purpose? How do you find out your purpose? The way you find out your purpose is you know the one who designed you. If I want to know about 
what's Elon Musk, his, his rocket, the, whatever his rockets are that he's sending up. If I want to know about that, as good a mechanic as Corey is, I'm not going to go to Corey the mechanic and say, explain this intergalactic rocket thing that lands itself and takes off by itself and doesn't have anybody flying it. I need to go to Elon and go, hey, explain this thing. Because he designed it. They, his team built it. Well, if you want to know what you're built for, why don't you go to the one the Bible says that he wrote everything in you before you even existed is in the book of your life. You got to know the one who designed you. And then this one, and we're going to close with this. Ushers, you guys can do your thing. We would say make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. The, God tells them, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to get Egypt out of you. I'm, I'm going to show you why I put you on this earth. And now he says, I'm going to take you as a group of people, and we're about to go change the world. This is what I believe here in Sylvania, Scrabbing County in this area, that from right here in little Sylvania, we can change some stuff. And not of our own because God put us together to do it. He said, I'm going to take you as my own people. And the word that God promises is, God promises fulfillment. And there, if you went through, remember in high school and probably in college, they had this guy, uh, Maslow, has, there's this idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the whole hierarchy of needs and a simple thing is basically starts with the most basic thing of I need shelter, food, and fire. And then it goes, moves up to higher needs. I need, I need somebody to love and to know, to know that I'm loved. And it goes up. Well, there used to be, it used to stop, uh, I think on the fifth or sixth one. Now they're actually looking back and seeing that the way people actually desire is they desire to be fulfilled. They desire to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And I think all Maslow was finding was how God created us. He didn't create us to do it alone. He created us to do this together. And let me tell you that what we're going to, I'll end with this. The devil is trying nothing more than to steal that from you. If he can't get you, he can't unsave you. But if he can keep you going in circles around trying to find your freedom or keep you wondering what your purpose is, then he, and keep you off a team, then he's got you. But putting you on a team that you can do something bigger for yourself, bigger than you could do by yourself is fulfillment. And the devil's trying to steal that from us. Look what the Bible says in John 10, 10, and then we'll, we'll close. Most of you have probably heard this verse if you've been in Sunday school or been around church at all. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the devil's trying to steal your relationship with God, destroy your purpose, kill any hope you have, and ultimately kill you. Look what the Bible says. That I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full. That's our prayer for you. You're one step closer to being full. Come back next week and you're one step closer to being full. I used to bemoan the fact and God kind of convicted me of it that I would preach this message and feel like, woo, I was ready to go. Now, who wants to meet Jesus? Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. Are we supposed to raise a hand or what? Nobody moves. And I, I left here one day complaining to God. Yes, your pastor complains to God. Like, 
God, I gave it everything I have. I'm sweated through my shirt. It's hot. I sang praise. I'll continue to pray, God. I'll praise you, praise you. Nothing. And as I was driving out one day, God brought a young guy that was here that particular Sunday years ago to my mind. And I just, I thought, yeah, I remember, we'll call him Johnny. I remember Johnny. Yeah, well, he showed up today. And my thought was, anybody ever get sassy with God? Well, great, God, he showed up. Do. Yeah, well, he was going to kill himself last night, but I told him to come to church this morning. You ever shrink? Now I'm shrinking down into the seat, like. And I'll never forget him saying that was his one step. He didn't kill himself last night. He showed up. And all these years later, Johnny's not his real name. He's around because he took one step. He had to know God, and I've watched this particular guy know God, find freedom, discover purpose. And now if I told you who he was and you could ask him, he would tell you, I'm as fulfilled as I can be. But if I hadn't taken that one step, there would have not been the 10 or 15 or 20, however many steps it takes to get you to the fullness of God. That's where we're going. We're gonna jump into these in the next few weeks, but that's our, that's our why. Why? Because I need you to have everything God has for you. Amen? Man, why don't you stand with me? Bow your head and close your eyes. We never leave, if you're visiting today, we never leave without offering people a chance to, to know God. I'm not going to invite you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But it is a moment there with you and God. If you'd say, Clint, well, I don't, I've never made Jesus mine. I never received him. Or maybe you said, I was raised in church. I went away and I came back. And I still have walked away from God. Either way, the Bible says if you confess it in your confess it with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus did come and die for you, and he was raised again, and now he's paid the price. You confess that and then say, God, then I've, I'm sorry. Then he's gonna pick you up out of your cow pie and move you over. And then the work begins. So if that's you this morning, and you say, Hey Clint, just pray with me, include me in this prayer. If that's you, nobody's looking around, just wave at me real quick because I want to pray with you. There's a couple hands. I want everybody in the room just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Today, God, I repent for not getting it right. Today, God, I receive grace and mercy. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name.